All right, welcome back to another episode of A Pinball Podcast. And today we have a special guest, the number one pinball player in the world, Raymond Davidson, multi-time world champion, national champion, state champion, champion of everything, pretty much. He's a tremendous pinball player, a great guy. And today we talk about a lot of things pinball, Avengers, tournament tips, basically everything. Just you guys are going to enjoy this without further ado. Raymond Davidson, thank you so much for joining me tonight. How are you doing this evening? Doing good. All right, so we got ourselves here, the number one player in the world, not in the state like I am in this Oklahoma that's spelled totally wrong. This is legitimately the number one player in the world. Ray, can you tell us, plebes of the world, what is it like truly being the best player in the world? Statistically speaking, the number one player, what is that like? I mean, it's... uh it's weird to hear, hear that in front of your name all the time when it was like, well, you know, just a couple of years ago, I was like ranked fifth, which is pretty good, but you don't hear people call you the fifth ranked player in the world. It's not, not until you get to uh, rank one that now every single time your name is called, you know, it's led with that. Um, so it's a little weird, but um, it, it's cool. Um, you know, you got to keep going to tournaments to keep that number up and uh, it's, not easy, but it's, it's fun. And I, I love doing it. Yeah. And I find it very fascinating too, because you know, the way that my mind works is there's so many of us that play pinball. There's so many of us that try to get better and try to do the best that we can, but there's only going to be a handful of people that will ever actually achieve the things that you've already achieved. And you're relatively at a young age, correct? You're what? 26, 27. Yeah. 27, 27, 28. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're becoming an old man now, Holy cow. but I mean, you're a multi-time world champion. You've won, of course, state tournaments, correct? Like at least two or three times, right? Yeah. Now, have you ever won a national title before? I wasn't sure if you have or haven't. Uh, yeah, I won the, um, the nationals when it was in Las Vegas against, uh, Carl Angelo in the finals. I don't even know why I ask. Of course you won <laughs> nationals. Of course you did. So, I mean, that's, that's quite amazing. And, you know, just like you're talking about, I'm sure that with that, it, there might've been pressure there up front when you first became number one, but is that something that you feel like you've just naturally just kind of grown accustomed to? Because I've seen you play in pressure situations to where it looks like you don't even have any pressure at all. You're loose, you're, you're fine. And you're just crushing games left and right. Really? It doesn't look like I'm under pressure. Cause uh, it, I sure feel, I sure it feel doesn't. it. Um, it, it doesn't uh, it at can all. Be stressful. You were the guy that had like two million on Black Rose when we played it in disc, and then you just walked up to it and you're just like, "Okay, I'm gonna score 150 million or whatever it was on my ball three. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one, you know, I had I had the plan solidly in my mind, and I had played. I, you know, I've my parents have had a Black Rose forever, so I know that game left and right. I knew I could could do it. I just needed to get the ball into that Pirates Cove, and then like you know, muscle memory would take over and I could relax a little bit. It was just those first two balls just so brutal, you know? Yeah. And that was actually quite an amazing game. I actually, I had to take a moment to just walk away because I was just like, I could tell that you were in the zone when you were plunging just because you were taking your time plunging. And then I was like, Oh shit, Ray's going to make sure he gets this ball in a flipper and he's not going to let it drain anytime soon. <laughs> So as soon as I, I would have ball... never been able to forgive myself if you, if you plunge an out lane to yeah. eliminate yourself from a tournament. Oh gosh. Ooh. Yeah. As soon as I saw you get a ball in a flipper and you start hitting shots, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go use the bathroom. I'm going to go get a drink. <laughs> I'm going to take about a 15 minute break. And sure enough, I did. I took a solid 10 minutes. I come back and you're still playing. I'm just like, <laughs> like, of course, of course that's Ray. Well, Speaking of great players and somebody that actually just briefly took over the number one spot, I think for what, about two weeks, if that? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. the last two weeks of 2019. I mean, it was really quick and then you were right back in there, but uh, I'm talking about Johannes Ostermeyer from, I believe, Germany, correct? Yep. I think that's where he's from. And he had a hellacious game on Avengers, a game that you happened to you know, know a little bit about, I don't know if you've heard it, you know, Stern came out with this game called Avengers Infinity Quest, but yeah, he, uh, he basically crushed that game. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? That was, 
absolutely insane. I was, I was actually waiting to get my car uh, oil change done. I was in the lobby and I was like, oh man, I got to wait like an hour and a half. Uh, and I, so I pull up my phone and I see he's, he's like live doing this. And I'm like, well, okay, this will be cool to kill some time. And then I'm just like glued to the screen for the whole hour and a half until they tell me my cards ready. I'm like, wait, no, he just started trophy mania. What, what, is this, ha- is this happening? Like what is going on? It was insane. I couldn't believe it. I was like giving updates to people. I'm like, he's got a billion ball one. You know me, I said this when he had like 800 million, assuming he'd drain about a billion, but no, he drained at like 2 billion on ball one or something. Yeah, it was nuts. I, um, I was actually with uh, Luke Nahorniak, who was visiting to pick up a pin, and we went to the local arcade, and he told me, he's like, yo, Johannes is on Avengers. And then I was like, okay, yeah, cool. He's probably going to do well. And he said, yeah, he has, he has about a billion on it. I'm like, oh, wow, you put up a billion on it? He's like, no, he, he's on ball one yeah. still. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so we end up, I, I play, literally, I'm on location, and I play about five games and I'm feeling good about those five games. Just getting practice in check back up on it. He's still on ball one. I mean, if you guys have not watched this legit, his ball one lasted, I think about 50 minutes, 55 minutes, some somewhere around there. I just, yeah, I this, this was, um, on the stream. It was like the last game he played. So it was like two and a half hours in or something. Uh, he might've posted a highlight on YouTube of just the one game, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it, I had the same thing. It was like still ball one. It was incredible. It wasn't even bonus, like his bonus was two hundred and sixty million. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? Do you, what do you do? Yeah, he he easily had I think one hundred and fifteen or one hundred and twenty combos on ball one. Yeah, something. Yeah, like he that. Uh, he basically started super combos and just kept them going the entire ball. So every combo was giving him two combos, and boy, that man could combo. He was he was hitting combos just like they were nothing. Like you know, center ramp, right orbit, left orbit. Like, I'm yep. scared to shoot the left orbit on the fly, but not him. He's, he's like, oh, it's a shot. It's a safe, good shot. He, he knows in his head, oh, the ball is moving too fast. Shooting the center ramp is more risky than hitting this left orbit that I can hit. And he, he like, does that calculation instantaneously. And he's always shooting the safest, most reliable shot and nailing them. Yeah, and I mean... It's fascinating that you talk about that because that is such, it seems like such a simple thing to do to make a decision just to take the safe shot. Yet when it's happening on the fly, it's actually insanely difficult to do. I mean, can you, oh, kind, yeah. of, can you kind of go into that a little bit about what type of mindset that takes to understand the geometry of just the play field in general to know, to know your type I mean, of gameplay to really, take that shot? To me, it's, it's a lot of uh, trial and error, kind of like, how you'd program a machine learning algorithm. It's like, you know, I've tried this before and it was early. I tried this and it was late. I tried this as early as I can and then it doesn't have enough power. Like you just, as you're playing, you take any sort of feedback, you know, you store it in your brain for the next time that similar situation arises um, with little modifications based on, on other information. Um, but, you know, of course you don't feel like you're a machine programmed that way. It just, you kind of pick it up the more you practice and it becomes intuitive. Um, although sometimes you do have to remind yourself um, if you find yourself draining a lot or missing a lot, sometimes you need to realign and be like, okay, why did I drain? I probably shouldn't have shot that, that shot that way. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And you know, what I found really incredible about his game also is it seems like he has this unique ability to do these little flicks with the flippers yeah, to where Adam Lefkoff calls that the Ostermeyer, the little like balls coming and he's like, stay, yeah, stay on there. Yeah. 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 And not only that, it's almost like when he knows that the ball isn't going to stay on the flipper, he doesn't just shoot it away. He flicks it away in such a way that it still keeps the ball relatively safe. Like it's rare that yeah. I see him hit a post that comes screaming back at him. It's almost like he lays it up at a 45 degree angle, either off the targets or off somewhere that keeps it safe. You know, and I find that yeah, really unique very watching them. Um, when the ball is starting to approach the danger zone, you know. Um, although, it's he didn't even need to. If you watch that video, he barely touched the game. There was a couple times when the ball was in danger and, you know, he would realize it. But most of the time, it was literally he could have played that game 
with uh, without even touching the machine. Like, if there was just a, a video game controller, he probably could have played that game. Like, it was insane how accurate he was. Yeah, and I think really, it to me, watching that, it confirmed a couple of things for me. One, he's a hell of a pinball player. That's the one thing. <laughs> yeah. That's what it definitely confirmed. I mean, obviously, he had his, his massive Dracula game last year during Worlds. That but, was basically the same thing. It was yeah. just shot after shot after shot. Me and Kaylee, just eyes wide open, could not believe what we were seeing. Yeah, and that was the most hilarious. I, I saw a still of you guys in the uh, announcing booth as soon as he did that, and just your mouth just wide open in the background. I mean, that that was insane. We can talk about that here a little bit more as well. But uh, number two, what it confirmed to me was how damn g- great of a design Avengers really is. Like, just seeing all those combos in unison... I mean, you, it's rare that we get a game in which it feels like you can hit nearly every shot to be a combo, and it's highly satisfying, especially when that ball's returning back to the flippers and you could just send it back somewhere else, and it's just as satisfying as the last shot that you did. Yeah, I think one of the major things I realized watching that game was how important that Hawkeye loop is because, you know, most upper flipper shots either loop the ball or put it in danger um, or, or bring it to someplace else on the game. But that game, if you hit that shot, it, it brings it right to your right flipper back under control. And, you know, my accuracy on that's like maybe 50%. His was like 95%. So anytime the ball was on that upper flipper, combo, you know, in, keep it going. Yeah, it, literally on some of my pinball chats, we've already just started calling that the Johannes combo. When you hit that yeah. left ramp, center ramp, Hawkeye, just, and just yeah. repeat that over and over and over again. I mean, I've tried to do that. I have a, for those that don't know, I got an Ellie back here. It's off camera. I've tried to do it and I've maybe been able to do it three times in a row together. And I'm just excited about that. Johannes was doing it about five times in a row with three balls at the same time. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just the damnedest thing. I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. He really showed, you know, that Avengers, it, you can have some nasty balls where you're just like draining instantly and it seems like the ball is always out of control. You know, you got the spinning dits, got the drop targets, you got the side loop that kind of brings it down into the death drain angle, drangle. And, uh, but he showed, well, hey, if you're hitting your shots, <laughs> you got nothing to worry about. Yeah. And it just, well, the other thing it confirmed me too is that there's a lot, not only is there a lot of satisfying shots, but this game is very well coded out of box. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways was, to attack it. I was so happy that the game made it through all that. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. He put it through the ringer. If, if it, if that game, if that code survives the Johannes way, you know, a game, it, it will survive anything. Although I will say yeah. I did notice, and we talked about this, that was on the screen afterwards. I think it said uh, trophy encased right afterwards or something like that so what was that a placeholder or what does in case mean is that part of it so um i didn't really know what to do if you got the trophy mania and keith was like well it could be like walking dead where you have the burning stakes where if you get to the last man standing then your bonus includes like a pile of zombies or whatever right um, plus all the new zombies and so that was basically what we did with trophy mania where your trophies will include all of your uh you know previous trophies um and I, I just called it encased because it was, you know, you've completed the case. And so now that's its own separate thing. Um, but it ended up just looking confusing and weird on the bonus screen. So I updated that. So it won't, it won't say that. It'll just, it'll, no, it'll have a total. So if you, uh, you know, if you get your 24 trophies and then get more trophies, now you'll see, you know, 20 bronze trophies, eight gold trophies, seven silver trophies or whatever. Very cool. So, Johannes, you hear that? The next time you do that, it'll be a little bit different for you. Something new. <laughs> for, uh, for me, that's a mere mortal. I don't have to wor- worry about it. But for you guys, you guys can worry about that. But so with that being said, like, what was Keith's reaction to it? I, I got to assume he's such a competitor. He probably tried to beat that score within a week. Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> he sent me a photo like two days later of him getting a billion or two. 2.3 billion and he, he was like no extra balls outlet posts all the way up and i'm just like man keith i i, I poked the bear i poked the goat i uh, i shouldn't have because uh, because i was like 
over the moon. I was sending Keith the, the video. I'm like, oh my God, look at Johannes. Look at this. This is crazy. He's insane. And I, I must have talked a little too good about Johannes. He was like, hey, don't forget. Don't forget who you're talking to, buddy. <laughs> well, you know, and that's one of the great things that I love about Avengers. The fact that obviously with Keith Elwin that the majority of people consider the greatest of all time. And I honestly think when it's all said and done, cause you're still at a ripe young age and you still got years and years ahead of you. So you're definitely going to be in that conversation soon enough, but having both you and him on this pen at the same time, for me, that's, that's a dream come true because that's a lot of pinball IQ going <laughs> into one pen. And it really shows like for anybody that hasn't played it yet, when you play it, you'll see. I mean, the shots are there, the code is there. It's a fun game. And it's actually one of those games that's it's made me fairly, I'm I'm a little bit there. I have an Iron Maiden and I'm considering being okay with letting it go now, now that I have Avengers. Like everything else, I didn't want to do it, but this the game is so damn good, Ray. You guys did a tremendous job. And I mean, what what is the one thing when you first started working at Stern and you knew you're gonna be on Avengers? What was the one thing that you were most excited about, knowing that you were going to be working with Elwin, with Stern? I mean, what really excited you about that in general? Uh, I just loved, um, so it was really cool to like, just actually figure out the, because uh, when, when you first start, it's all new. So you're, you're looking at all the, how the shots, the modes work, how you sequence the programming and, and like, you know, okay, now this shot's lit, now this shot lit. And so that was just really cool to me to kind of see under the covers of, of how, how it's all working. And um, so I didn't really mind just taking uh, instructions straight from Keith without much input and just implementing exactly what he said, because um, that was really cool. But then as it went on, I would start to have more and more ideas that I'd talk with him about. And that was really cool to be able to actually have a direct influence of uh, something that the end, end player ends up seeing. It's like, ha. Hey, that was me, you know, <laughs> that little detail or whatever. Um, so that I just, I love that feeling. Um, and then I was really ecstatic when Keith basically told me, uh, trophies are all you, man. I don't have any, I ha they had an original like 24 list of, uh, achievements. Okay. And basically the trophies were kind of there and skeleton, but they, they weren't really being used and they didn't have the three levels of bronze, silver, and gold. Um, and it was all kind of a mess. And so Keith was like, yeah, you, you do whatever you want with trophies. Said, you take it. And so I was so happy. I was like, all right, I'm going to make this as awesome as I can. Um, you know, that's when I came up with, uh, well, what if, because um, originally it was going to be more like Jurassic Park, where you have the fossils, which correlate to specific spots in the case. Right. And then you'd have wild card fossils where they'd fill in left to right and that sort of thing. But I was like, well what if um, you just needed to get to 24 and there was more than 24 trophies available and doesn't matter which ones you get, you did um, cause that kind of, uh, it didn't bug me, but it, you could kind of work your way into a hole in Jurassic park where it was like, Oh, I'm upset that I got this wild card fossil in this order because it filled in this one when I could have just got this other one. And so right. I was like, well, let's, let's try something a little different. And so I was super happy with how it turned out. And I was super happy that the number of trophies worked out to 32. It was like a perfect, nice number. Um, it fit perfectly within the, you know, in 32, uh, 32 bits. <laughs> or eight right. Bit. I don't know how many bits, whatever. Uh, I'm not on the clock, so. Don't make <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> computer math, but, but everything about it was perfect when it was all said and done. So I was super happy about that. Um, yeah. And, and we'll... I got, to, no, go... got to come up with like the trophy thresholds too. Right. And something like that, I'm so happy that you put that in as well, because I feel like it adds another nuance, like a, a definite nuance layer in it that you have something to legitimately shoot for all the time that you don't necessarily even have to worry about or think about score to the point that you can really focus on one task to do. Now, of course, you got to get a little bit of score to get a bigger trophy, but at the same time for novice players or for intermediate players it gives them something to naturally shoot for because it is satisfying to see the trophy pop up to let you know yeah. hey you've made an achievement here yeah i really liked um how it worked out where basically it makes you play every mode that you get so it's like oh i got a super mode 
and you can't just blow it off because you're missing out on an easy spot in the in the case same with a super skill shot you know no one's going to go for a super skill shot but it ooh, i could fill in that one missing trophy i need just by getting a super skill shot uh so it really helps uh fill out the game and and uh make you feel like you're making progress in in every way yeah and i really love that and that's one thing i've been wishing that a lot of pinball would do eventually to where it would have some type of achievement in there like even if it's trophies or anything just different little goals to hit that you can feel satisfaction by achieving that goal and i find honestly avengers like you said it has 32 options in there and that makes it i mean i think the awesome part of that is too and i don't know if you guys can do this from a code standpoint but i would have to think in the future especially whether it's this game or other games that you might see something that people like how they're playing the pin or how they're attacking the pin. And it might give you, give you information on another trophy that you could do or another achievement that you could do in a future code. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, just incentivize different behaviors. Um, right. The way we usually do that is with um, extra balls or other, uh, you know, ca carrots that we can dangle. Um, for instance, you know, the Captain Marvel shot, uh, Keith found he wasn't shooting it very much, and he's like, let's put an extra ball on there. Or the Hawkeye combos, uh, let's make it spot a grid award. Um, so that way, if, if you're Johannes, you never even need to technically hit the drop targets. You can just get 30 <laughs> Hawkeye combos. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. And that's, I mean, that's the genius part of this. And also, I mean, can you talk about mystery a little bit? Because I know I was talking to you about that here last week, that one of the things I love about Avengers 2 is that the mystery awards feel like they matter. In a lot of games, they don't feel like they matter as much, but in Avengers, it actually, it feels satisfying to actually get a mystery award. Yeah, that was, uh, that was something I wanted to do from the get-go when I joined and I saw the uh, mystery awards. I was like, we should like make mystery awesome. Like every time you get a mystery, it should be a surprise, like a mystery, but it should always be good. You should never be disappointed. It should always be like, what, what kind of good am I getting, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and also the fact that the mystery doesn't start lit, you know, means you have to work for it. So it kind of works hand in hand. It's like, well, I, w I have to work for it, but I get something good out of it as opposed to the bozo, you know, something useless, but it starts right. lit. Yep, yep. And, you know, we, guys, if you haven't seen it yet, please go find the, I usually just search Johannes Avengers gameplay and it's on there i think it's uh pinball boy germany is the uh, uh on is that twitch on? or youtube uh, i think that was on twitch i'm not sure who has it on youtube i don't think it's them uh, i know he, it he, he posted it to youtube um so you can probably find it it's like johannes versus avengers <laughs> and avengers lost let's just put it that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> he oh, took my... down all of the avengers <laughs> and thanos and the black order yes Yes, yes. I feel like I need to just get Johannes's face and put it on the translite now for myself. <laughs> Man. But um, okay, so besides that, you know, you have done podcasts in the past. You had the the uh, Do or Die podcast, which for those that haven't heard it before, it's an excellent podcast where you talked about your gameplay at different tournaments. And now you're on to Stern with the Raymond Files. But with the Do or Die podcast, what was really your main goal with that? Was it a way that, because I find when I, whenever I'm podcasting and talking about games, I find myself actually learning a lot by feeling like I'm teaching people. Yeah, uh, there's definitely some of that. Um, I, I just liked it because it would help me reflect on my, uh, you know, performance of, of things I did right and things I did wrong uh, so that hopefully the next tournament I go to, I, I can do better. Uh, that was like, the main, the main actually reason for it was kind of selfish. It was like, I just want to get this out because I'd find myself driving home from tournaments, talking about it in my head, like reliving it. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if, if this would make an interesting podcast. Um, and so then I, I kind of came up with the idea and it wasn't going to originally just be about tournaments. It was, that was just going to be one little section of it. And then I was going to do the rest like, news and events and whatever things people do in podcasts but i think i only stuck with that for like the first episode and then after that it was just whatever tournament i had gone to and 
kind of talked about everything and because people I found people like that too they were telling me like oh it's awesome I get to uh, hear you know situational play because you don't get to hear about that very often you just usually hear about the grand picture how to blow up a game sort of stories or, or podcast rule strategies right and I feel like something like that it really helped me a ton as a pinball player just getting to hear that because the insight of hearing a high level player not just a high level player but the number one pinball player in the world talking through a game I mean it makes you see it from a different perspective and I find that it's really fascinating to learn that way because there was constantly every single episode I listened to I swear to you Ray I, it was probably three or four new things I learned and it's not just like a new rule or a new way to approach pin it's just a new way to think about how you're going to reflect on your games because I I struggled with that early on when I was playing you know it'd be one of those things where I couldn't really pinpoint where I went wrong with things or what decisions I could have made better but after I heard you able to articulate that I found myself going and playing the same games on purpose because luckily we have an arcade here with like 50 or 60 pins and I found myself playing the same exact pins and trying to figure those things out myself and it was just it was a great podcast I loved it and hopefully you bring something like that back soon as soon as we get to do tournaments again because I mean you have incredible insight yeah I mean I I want to I love getting them done and hearing the results and um it feels good once I'm doing them. It's just so hard to, to put aside the time and force yourself to, to do them because you have to, that means you have to take a little bit of notes while you're playing and you have to kind of compile them in your head and you got to set aside the hour and then the, extra, the hour of editing. And so like all that kind of, that's why when I started, you could see I was doing them like every week, no matter how small a tournament and then as it went on, I kind of like only did the bigger ones and that sort of thing because it, it burned me out a little bit. Um, but now that I haven't done them in a while, um, definitely eager to do them again once uh, tournaments start happening. Yeah, you're getting that itch again. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's it's one of those this like this whole year. It's been weird, especially from a pinball perspective, because I know, you know, once we were at uh, pinmasters and nationals, it just. No, nobody was talking about things shutting down at that point. It was, you know, we were all talking about TPF. We were expecting just in a couple of weeks to play again. And then all of a sudden just everything's just done. And so that's, uh, I mean, how has it been for you not being able, cause you've been on the, you know, tournament circuit for what, about 10, 12 years now, at least playing. So yeah, that was like what I'd always be looking forward to is when the next, when's the next tournament? Um, you know, great reason to, to fly different places. You've never been, and uh, just always improving on the last um, tournament you were at, you know, it was at uh, nationals where I, you know, I lost to Colin Urban. Um, and I was like, well, I'm going to get him at the next tournament. Like I, I can't, I can't keep losing to that guy, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> the next tournament is still, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, as of right now, I'm not sure. Nothing's been really said about Indisc as of right now, but of course, I'm anticipating it not happening since it's only just in a couple of months and nothing's been said. But uh, TPF, I know that they've announced that, but I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, if that will go off, will. I mean, are you planning on attending that? Um, it's interesting. If, uh, if it is going on and they don't stop it and, you know, if they have all the same stuff that they had the last couple of years with, you know, big tournament, big prize pool. If, if my points are back, Stern, if it'll count for Stern Pro Circuit, like then I would, I'd probably go, even if it would require mandate masks and um, lots of hand sanitizing, that sort of thing. I don't mind always wearing a mask. I think if everyone did that, then we'd probably be okay. Um, right. And I've, you know, I've flown back to Seattle and a bunch and I'd wear my mask the whole plane ride. Um, and, I, I think it's it's okay if everybody is on board, but if you can't get everybody uh, everybody on board and it's safer to just call it off completely, then you know that's the decision that has to be made. And I'm glad I don't have to make that decision because uh, that is a, <laughs> that's a hard decision. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And I know right now it's it's stuff that they're they're currently looking at for the coming months. But obviously it's it's all up in the air right now. And I mean as it should be. It's not to me, it's not something that we can necessarily just rush back into. Cause just like you said, I mean, it's, 
it's got to be a tournament director nightmare as well just to police that i mean i yeah i i have a hard time just trying to police it with like eight or ten people locally i can't imagine trying to do it with any more than that especially when it's people from all over the country so who knows but yeah you... i was at the uh the bang back uh, arcade down in south carolina and uh everyone was pretty respective of the respectful of the uh the the mass and it kind of it went off uh, without a hitch too much um and uh you know the tournament director there was very adamant of like hey your mask you know you're done you're done drinking that beer it's time for yep. your mask to go back on well let's talk about that for a little while how was bang back because i considered going to that tournament like i'm so tournament starved that i was 50 50 on going out there and just taking a family trip just seeing it but how did you like it out there because it was probably your first time in south carolina to play pinball correct yeah that's the first time i'd, I'd even been in that area of the country really um living in washington uh, that's like the farthest possible uh <laughs> direction uh so i was uh, super happy when i found like a really you know cheap flight good times and um fred let me stay at his place which was super super nice if you don't know fred richardson uh owner of uh, bang back and uh you know he'd been on the tournament scene he uh, spent i think maybe 2018 going to like almost every circuit event um really nice guy and uh really i enjoyed the, the bang back arcade they had their machines in little pinwheels they called them so like little uh heads up against each other and four uh little spots uh, okay. around the the room and so you never felt like, well, there literally was never anyone on the side of you because they were all 90 degree angles. Um, and so that, well, that was pretty cool to be able to feel like uh, not crowded. And uh, it was, like I said, there wasn't, it, it was only like 16 people. So it was a, a nice size where you had a, kind of a one-to-one -one ratio with machines. And I think that might be where tournaments need to be at right now. If you're gonna have tournaments is no more than one-to-one -one, uh, ratio of uh, machines to players um and yeah i really enjoyed myself i really liked the uh they had these magical uh boneless wings that i just ate like way too many of in fact they had like seven different sauces and i think by the time i was done with the weekend i had tried all all seven really? of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you thought you went there for pinball instead you went there for the wings there you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i, th I so. think it's i think it's even fred's birthday today as a yeah yeah, happy October birthday. 9th. Yeah, Fred, if you're watching this, happy birthday. We're recording this on your birthday because it's your birthday, obviously. That's <laughs> that's totally why we're recording this, just so we can get that in. But yeah, I mean, that's why it, it was funny, too. Just seeing you guys out there, and I know Jason was out there playing as well, and I saw Dalton out there. And so it was nice just to see people that you see out and about at different events. And it was nice to see, I, I guess it brought back a little bit of normalcy, just getting to see some type of competition and getting to see people that you're familiar with at these competitions. So that, that was nice to see. And that's why I was really happy to see that Fred put this on. I'm glad to see that it went off without a hitch. I mean, it seemed to be a success. Yeah, it was, uh, it was super fun. Um, and I liked that you played match play. Uh, it wasn't just about the Avengers. That was just the last game, you know, one game out of the whole tournament. Um, so, you know, I was playing games I hadn't played in a while. Um, I, I, I had that, that tournament feeling of the first game I played, believe it or not, was Iron Maiden and I got like 18 million points and I got fourth place on it. And I was like, oh man, it's good to be back. It's good to be back <laughs> in the tournament scene, just getting absolutely crushed on a game that, you know, you can blow up. Um, but you know, I, I shook it off and then, you know, blew up the next couple games or whatever. And it was all good. Yeah, I guarantee somebody was in that group thinking that's the number one player. Really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens. It, ha it happens. Like, you know, not every single game could get blown up. And I mean, just circling back around to a competition, you mentioned that earlier about discussing little nuances in games in terms of, you know, just trying to get points and not necessarily trying to blow stuff up. And, you know, what I found talking to people that are brand new to pinball or at least brand new to tournament pinball is that a lot of them have it in their heads that they have to basically GC every single game that they play, especially when they're playing high level players. But I try to tell them that it's not necessarily that you just need to make sure that you play under control and that you try to be as accurate as you possibly can. What do you think is the, is the secret sauce? Like when you were first starting, 
you know, you're, you're Raymond Davidson, you're not the number one player yet, but you're playing great, excellent players. What was the one thing that you ended up learning early on that really helped you skill-wise to really level up? Um, I'd have to say, uh, I think, like, dead passing specifically, not, not flipping all the time uh, to slow the ball down, and also learning learning some sort of basic rules enough so that you know what you're doing when you step up to that machine. Because I was finding I would lose more often when I had never seen a game before. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, that game is just stupid and random. Like, I, I lost on that because I got unlucky. And then I would learn a game and find out I would lose less, less often on them once I learned them, uh, particularly with, uh, like, belly uh, early solid states, um, you know, I would lose on those because I had never played valleys before. So I didn't even know what a super bonus was. And so I would see people blow it up and then I would step up and be like, yeah, I, I know pinball. I can hit shots and I'd be <laughs> shooting stuff and they wouldn't amount to any points. Um, so really you just got to learn some sort of direction um, is one of the, the biggest things you can do. Um, even if it's as simple as this will start this multi-ball, this will start modes. Like even just having those two things is infinitely better than not knowing, you know, those things. Right. And so let's lean into that a little bit. Let's say you are, of course, now you probably know pretty much any game out there that you run into at this point, at least the majority of games. But let's say you happen to run into a game that you haven't seen before. And it's, we'll say it's a modern game right? Like an early nineties, modern game. How are you approaching that off the bat? Like, what are you looking for right off the bat? You're player one too. So you can't watch anybody else play it. Yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I said, definitely those, probably those two things like multi-balls and any sort of, uh, features or modes. Um, so I'm looking for, uh, basically any scoops that have lots of things in front of them and figuring out like, okay, how do I qualify uh, this or this multi-ball um, and then also finding out as I'm playing my ball one like what shots are easy and which shots are hard and if I can find um, a strategy that involves the easy shots even if it doesn't earn as many points um, or is less exciting you know I'll aim towards that strategy um, as I'm going because as you're hitting shots you're not draining so you have even more time to sort of discover what everything is doing. You know, you don't want to step up to a game and just start shooting at the hardest shot in the game because somebody told you, oh, shooting that starts this crazy mode. And it's like, well, maybe I'm not good enough to do that yet. Or maybe I don't know this machine enough to try that strategy. Um, so yeah, you kind of, you have, you have to figure out what your, you have to have a plan and then like a backup plan. <laughs> so your, your main plan. And then if you find that that plan is not working, you switch maybe to your backup plan and then maybe go back to your main plan. Once you've gotten some more, once you got more comfortable. That's interesting. So in your head, you're really looking at maximizing your efficiency. Essentially. Yeah. I mean, that's really all it comes down to. Yeah. It's, it's uh, efficiency every, cause you only, you're only going to get a certain number of flips before the game decides your time is up. And so you want to make sure every flip is, uh, is doing the best it can. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's tremendous insight because I know a lot of times, a lot of tournament players, like we just talked about a second ago, they think that they have to do more than what they're capable of. And I think that's so important that sometimes, sometimes just doing what you're capable of and doing it consistently is sometimes good enough. I mean, I, I've found that I've been in situations where I am clearly the worst player of the group, but I'm able to hold my own just simply by doing that, by just staying consistent, by not trying to do anything crazy. And so for anybody else listening to this, if the number one player in the world can do that, and that's what he's doing, it's going to work for you. That's one thing you can do. Pick out the shots that you can handle and try to repeat those until you figure things out along the way. Is that, is that fair to say, Ray? Yeah, I mean, you obviously don't want to keep hitting something if it's literally giving you zero points. <laughs> um, so you, you got to try to find the best risk versus reward, you know, combination of like, okay, this is this is getting me somewhere. Um, you know, I can keep doing this. Um, and basically, yeah, just try to find something that works um, and, and learn, feel out the game 
And uh, if there's a multi-ball, that's the best way to do that because when you have multiple balls in play, you're not in danger. So you can get to that multi-ball right away and then feel out the rest of the game from there. So going back to that then, when you're talking about figuring out a game, what is, I've been curious, and this is just my own personal question, what is usually your strategy when you're at a Herb event, when you're at a pump and dump? If, are you picking out games ahead of time that you absolutely know that you're gonna play? And then, well, of course you probably are, but are you also finding games that might be a little off the beaten path, that might be that one game like a Rescue 911, that not everybody's gonna play that you might be able to sneak in high score on that you might not be familiar with uh yeah so for it depends on if it's the actual like unlimited qualifying or if it's the in-disc uh ticket-based qualifying let's go with unlimited qualifying okay so if it's it's unlimited then i will pick the games that i uh i like the most because you're going to be playing them over and over (laughs) and so you want to play games that are interesting you want to play games that you know you can blow up because you have in the past uh you don't want to play a game that you don't have any experience on because you're it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to get a score required so it might be tempting to avoid the 12 person deep attack from mars line to go to the crazy uh gottlieb game that no one's ever you know played before line and there is a time and a place to do that but in general i feel people might do that too much where they don't they you really should pick games that you know that you can blow up now uh when it starts getting different is uh for especially when it's you know really close and you just need a little bit more to get you over the finish line then you can start looking at those other weird games and start formulating plans of well i've never played Waterworld before but I know I can get 600 million by doing X, Y, and Z. And that's fine. As opposed to, I need a 13 billion on attack from Mars. I've done that before. I'm going to have to do it right now. Like, that's kind of what you're weighing in your head. Yeah, and it's one of those things that's funny because I have this problem. I know you most likely don't have this problem, but I always, at these Herb tournaments, I'll be selling right along to where I might have that one, like two or three pins in a row that I put up pretty good scores on that I feel good on right and I just need that one last game and that one last game just whips my ass non-stop for like two or three hours straight to where I just feel like I'm just stuck and I have <laughs> n- I have nowhere else to go and so I mean in that situation what would you what would be your advice to players that that know that they're on that game that they know they can blow it up they need it but they can't quite get over the hump and there's somebody like me that is Literally, like, for instance, I had to play Iron Man about 14 times at Cleepin just to get the do or die, just to finally get there. Like, what would you say to those players that are doing something like that? Perfectly fine. If you're going to say I'm batshit crazy, I'm perfectly fine with that as well. Like, I'm trying to figure out the right way to do it. You just have to. That's one where you you actually have to be really relaxed and not worry about it. You're like, all right, I'm just going to play. And if I drain or if I don't get it, I can just get back in line and just you have to have that mentality of it's just average like you're on location trying to gc a game for fun um even though it is stressful you you have to yeah try to not think about that um because once you once you're relaxed then you can start playing it and you'll get into that zone where now your heart starts beating and, and you're like oh okay wait crap this this game really matters and your mind will switch into that whether you want it to or not um but the more relaxed you are going into it, the longer you'll have before you switch to that uh, panic mode. Um, so if you can just start at a nice, like, all right, let's do this, rather than a, oh no, from the get-go, uh, that can definitely help. Yeah, and there's something to that, because I find that a lot of my, my decent scores come in very early. Like, it, it's really weird. I always thought that I'd need to take a few games to get warmed up. But for whatever reason, during my games that I feel like I'm just warming up on, I end up turning in decent scores. And I think there's something to that. Like you're saying, when you're playing loose, you're not as tense. You just, you seem to do overall better, especially if you're letting muscle memory take over as well. If you're familiar with the rule set and the basic shot geometry of whatever pin you happen to be on at that time. Yep. Well, then let's talk about a little bit about your, uh, your tournament career a little bit more. Now you made the interesting decision to go from one pinball hub of 
Seattle in the Washington area. And now you're in Chicago to where it seems like every single shark is, except you're like, you're another great white that's just coming in to play in that area. And I can't imagine what that state tournament will be like once you guys start back up. I mean, who all is located in Illinois that would be able to play in that? <laughs> I mean, it's got, it's got all everyone, you know, it's Sharps, Keith, uh, Jason Wardrick. Um, you know, I, I, I need to learn, you know, go to some leagues and start finding out uh, the other uh, locals. Cause I know, you know, there's a lot of people that just can't travel um, and they must be pretty good if they play in the, with the other Chicago people. Uh, so I'm excited to, you know, play against uh, everyone. And uh, yeah, so there's no, no shortage of, of good competition. Um, so that it's kind of nice. <laughs> that well, way. well, you're, of course, you're insanely battle tested too. I mean, you had, what was it just last year? You played uh, Kaylee George in the finals for Washington. Oh man, that was, that was so tough. Um, I had to play him and he, almost put me to, well, he did kind of put me to sleep on a world rumble, what WWF, uh, daddy East wrestling game yep. thing. Royal rumble. Yep. He put like 3 billion on it. And I was just like, Oh my God, it's 1am. Uh, <laughs> but finally, once that was over, I'm like, all right, my turn to pick a game. <laughs> um, and so that, uh, I was able to, I think, I think I, did I pick Deadpool or maybe, um, Maybe he picked Deadpool. I don't know, but I was able to eventually put that behind me and focus on the next game ahead. Um, we also had that battle on uh, Tales of the Arabian Nights, where I had like 80 million ball one, and then he's like, "That's cool. Let me just get infinity points, <laughs> you know, with the uh, genie harem stack, and we'll just call it once you think I have enough points." And that's basically what happened. He just played it until the ball got stuck, and then he had to stop his game. And I was like, "All right, well." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was, uh, I actually watched that finals as much as I could. I think, I forget how many games it went. Did it go six games or did it go seven games? I think it went the full seven. It, did it go to full seven? Because I remember watching it afterwards and it was just like, I mean, if you guys haven't seen it yet, I highly encourage you guys to see it. I'll leave it in the, uh, in the show notes for sure. But I mean, that was some high level entertaining pinball. Because just like you said, it seemed like everybody had an answer. For each other like if somebody put up a score the next person put up a score i mean it was just it was amazing to watch yeah it was it was uh it was tough um and that kind of happens where you'll um you'll almost play at the level of your opponent um just out of weird like you feel it you're like i need to i need to crush it because i'm playing against someone who also feels like they need to crush it and is really good um and so yeah it was like you just you got to do it. And it's, it's motivating because when you're playing at someone really good and you know, you have to crush it, uh, then almost like some of the pressure goes away of like, well, if I house ball three balls in a row, whatever, I wasn't winning that game anyway. <laughs> um, as, as opposed to if you play against someone who puts up a, a me medium score, now you're like, Oh crap, don't, don't drain, don't drink, don't blow it. You've got this, you know? Um, so it's just funny how your, your mental state can change as the, as the day goes on. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the things I found too. I mean, I had the pleasure of playing Kaylee actually at pin masters. I mean, he is an excellent player. You can just tell when he's stepping up to a game, he's thinking about it on a whole nother level that a lot of us can't even think of. I mean, it's like he, he can find a way to basically find scoring in a pin that I didn't even think was possible. And yeah. That's just, oh he, yeah. That's his, his specialty. Um, he actually uh, he told me about the the Who Done It thing in the Pinburg Finals. Did you uh, catch that? I've heard about it, but you'll have so, to. Remind. I know I've heard something about this. So Kaylee, he has a, a Who Done It, or he had one at one point. So he was knowing that game inside and out, and he had a hunch that he'd be able to pull this off at some point. And he pulled it off against Carl D'Angelo, who put up like thirty billion or some twenty twenty three billion or something on Who Done It like just grinding like carl just had the most amazing game of whodunit ever and then kaylee goes up and he knows exactly what he needs to do he he sets up the some elevator multi-ball grace period shot thing which then causes the elevator to get stuck down and so now he can just shoot the elevator for everything for the rest of the ball and so he just just like nothing just chops wood all the way to catch carl and carl is just like <laughs> well, wasn't that that was on stream, wasn't it? Because I could have swore I've seen him play Who Done It. 
Yeah, that was on stream. And the best part was after that game that you, they immediately brought over the hand truck, wheeled it (laughs) off stage. (laughs) No, that's a, that's amazing. I mean, and that's so dangerous too, when you're as skillful as he is, and then you can figure those things out that nobody else knows. It's like, I mean, that's, that is literally like giving Superman a power up. That's what that's like. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, luckily now with the internet, um, you only get one or good one or two good uses out of that before everyone else can do it or knows about it. Um, but just cause people know about it doesn't mean they can execute it. So you can still get some mileage out of it even after the secrets out. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. I mean, cause it's just like the, uh, the iron maiden glitch that everybody's figured out for yeah. Icarus and mummy. Like I've been trying to do that and I've got like a 10% success rate to even get it started for whatever reason. I just, I can't do it. I don't know why. But I want to do it. Well, it's, I, yeah, it's difficult. You got to not double flip. You got to like pay attention to this. Don't hit this. You know, you have to do everything just right. Um, but man, I wish I wish tournaments were still going on. And I wish uh, whoever found that didn't tell anybody. And they just waited for the perfect moment and just drop it on someone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, maybe that's a little cruel wish, but it would have been pretty funny. No, that would have been funny. Somebody steps up and they put up like 50 billion on Iron Maiden. Nobody knows where the hell that came from all of a sudden. <laughs> that would have been the way to go. Well, Raymond, I thank you so much for being here today. Do you got anything that you want to, uh, to leave the audience with? Uh, I don't think so. Um, thanks so much for having me on. I love your uh, podcast and, uh, Look forward to uh, more pinball and hopefully uh, tournaments. (laughs) No, yeah, I hope so too as well. Well, guys, you guys can find Raymond at, of course, on Stern. If you go to the Insider's Access, he has his own podcast on there, The Raymond Files, which I highly recommend. I've been listening to it to where he's discussing all things Avengers. So anything we didn't go over today, I promise you it's on there. I've already learned a lot from listening to it. I've actually listened to every single episode three times already. (laughs) Three times, just to figure things out. So, I mean, it's very informative for sure. But Raymond, thank you so much for being here. And I really do appreciate it. We'll have to do this again. All right. Thanks, Travis.